It's September 30th, 2020. Three months since my matchmaking experiment ended. I'm staring at a 7 by 10 feet storage unit in Brooklyn. I didn't want to be trapped in my apartment alone throughout the winter. Observing a city that I love lose its vitality. I didn't want to lose mine. So, in search of change and some sunshine, I'm relocating to L.A. I decide to date again. I learned so much from listening to my participants, and now I intend to practice those things, showing affection, communicating how I feel, being vulnerable. I figured with practice is how I would get better at dating. Since my old dating profiles got banned back in April when I tried to catfish guys to join my experiment, I had to create a brand new profile. Most irrational fear, having my fingers sliced off when I fall in an ice skating rink. Leave a comment if you know how to roller skate. I'm trying to learn it this month. First round on me. If you send me a voice memo. Work. A podcast. School. Columbia Business School. Hometown. New York. Politics. Liberal. Name. Heather. Age. 33. Height. 5'2". Location. Central LA. Ethnicity. East Asian. My vices. Drinking. Yes. Smoking. No. Drugs. No. In my 20s, I aspired for independence living alone for the first time, being financially self-sufficient. No dependence, no restrictions. I traveled, moved around, went back to school, got better jobs, and then all of a sudden, I'm in my 30s. No longer young, but not yet old. Burnt out by everything independence provided me. Now, I aspire for growth. I want to be better, learn how to be a better friend, how to work better date better, and be a partner. Six months ago, I wanted to find someone versus be myself with someone. I was dating to win. I have a new mindset now. I am dating to grow. This is just kind of over the top. This is why I need more time. A perfect moment. You're listening to It's Nice to Hear You. Stories about human connection told through an anonymous matchmaking experiment. Episode six. And then they lived ever after. This is the last episode. You'll find out what happens to all three pairs. But first, there is one more pair to meet. Heather and Arthur. Shortly after I arrive in LA, one of the people I match with on my dating app is this guy I will call Arthur. On his profile, it says dance artist, choreographer, educator, freelance life. Age 33. Hometown, Taiwan. Political views, liberal. Simple pleasures, dancing to hip-hop classics. 
ice cream and coffee, large art, rivers, failing to stifle laughter while in a quiet public place. Takes pride in how bonkers my Instagram saved is. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. A life goal. Seeking, sharing, and synthesizing cultural and creative experiences. Continuous cultivation of sense of self. Also, alliterations. In his profile pictures, he has great style. A nice smile and even nicer hair. The type of hair that could be in hair commercials. Arthur doesn't immediately seem like my type. I've only dated people with a similar career trajectory as me. You know, someone who gets a W-2 every year. Someone with a corporate job. But in the interest of learning, I swipe right. I also happen to be a fan of large art and alliterations. October 14th, 4.12 p.m. Arthur invites me to start the chat. Seven minutes later, Arthur texts, Merce and John Cage forever. Heart emoji. That's a comment in reference to one of my recent Instagram posts about the modern dancer and choreographer Merce Cunningham. His partner in life and work is the composer John Cage. They had a beautiful romance and partnership. In response, I text, I guess that is common knowledge in the dance world. I just learned about it and was blown away by their story. Star eye emoji. After a few exchanges over a couple days, we agree to a FaceTime chat. He actually looks like his profile picture, just with longer hair. We talk for three hours. He tells me that he loves this ocean creature called a sunfish. It's round and flat, a two-dimensional vertical pancake fish. I find it charming that he's sharing this alien CGI-looking fish thing with me. To reciprocate, I talk about my love of ostriches, my opinions on why flamingos are overrated, and also those obligatory things like where we grew up and how we got here. We discuss our experiences of growing up with divorced parents, mutual fondness for words, and our regrets on the limitations of language. I share my impressions of L.A. so far. Spacious, sunny, and swell. I also mention that I keep a list of words in my phone's notes app called Words I Like. The following week, we decide to meet in person. Picnic in a park. He brings a blanket, snacks, packaged separately to maintain proper social distancing. We talk for three hours again. I let him scroll through my words I like list on my phone. Pickle. Pacemaker. Harlequin. He especially likes cul-de-sac and haberdashery. Upon his suggestion, I add ruminate. The following week, we decide to cook together. I guess we should make the pasta. Let's use a not tiny pot. Arthur describes some tomatoes as voluptuous. Voluptuous. He's a good listener and actually watches the British comedians I mentioned in passing. I appreciate that he also shares my obscure taste in emojis. Our brains work in very strange but similar ways sometimes. For example, 
there's this one time when we were both separately trying to think of the word for bidet, you know, that toilet thing. We were drawing a blank and then we both happened to independently think of duvet, that comforter thing on your bed. I save Arthur under his real name on my phone. Previously, I would never save the real names of people I dated. I didn't refer to them by their names with my friends. It's kind of just this superstitious thing. I thought they didn't deserve to be called anything real unless it was really going somewhere. But I'm doing things differently now. I like Arthur. And I want to get to know him more. That's deserving enough for his real name to be in my phone. Arthur and I hang out for a few more weeks, and then I leave L.A. for Mexico. It would be one month, and then I would come back, I think. We managed to keep in touch, mostly through texts. One day, I come across this podcast interview. The person being interviewed is podcast producer Bianca Gaver. We text each other a perfect moment from every day. She has a small group chat where everyone texts a perfect moment every day. These moments don't have to be good or bad, just something that is perfect to them. What was your perfect moment yesterday that you texted? <laughs> I, can, I can like literally, I can literally pull it up. Um, realizing that I don't like bananas, finally, like just admitting that to myself was like one <laughs> Upon of hearing this, moments. I love it immediately. I want to do it too. Later that day, I asked Arthur if he would be up for doing this with me. I figured it would help us stay in touch. We could try it for 30 days. Arthur agrees. Before we start, I thought it would be a good idea to establish some guidelines, like ground rules. I propose the following. One. Send before 11.59 p.m. local time zone. Two, the moments have to have happened on that day. Three, one sentence, no more. Arthur responds, I'm more of a commit to the concept, but leave options open type. I add, Four, above rules are optional. Five, there is no wrong moment. Six, no judgment on moments, and no need to respond or comment on them. Rule number five applies to this, too. Expressionless face emoji. So this is how one particular set of 30 days begins. Day one, November 13th. Realizing that the color of grasshoppers is true, true chartreuse, then... I carefully dismount my bike and violently flick it off my handlebar. Accidentally donating to the wrong organization and then being too embarrassed to ask for it back. So I just donated to the originally intended organization as well. Therefore doubling my total donation amount and forcing myself to be okay with it. At the time, we texted these daily moments to each other. So what you're hearing now is Arthur reading them months later. Am I just going to read all of them at once? Yes, but don't sound like you're reading. How do I read them without reading them? 
So many. Day two. Seeing a sky so full of clouds that the pockets of sky look like clouds. Sheep emoji. Day three. Reminiscing on funny memories with homies. Learning how to give a proper hug. Apparently, I've been doing it wrong my whole life. Huggers are supposed to go upwards to the right, so it's heart to heart. Outside of these perfect moments, we still text about other things. All that other stuff people who are getting to know each other talk about. I still feel uneasy when he takes a long time to respond. In the back of my head, I brace for a scenario when he would just stop responding. Day four. Waking up to news of a friend's success. But he always does respond. Every day, he sends a perfect moment before midnight. Day 11. Discovering that Rihanna's last name is Fenty. Day 13. Restarting a song before it's over so I can give it my full attention from the top. Day 17. Sending a video of myself laughing with no context to my friend group chat. Once I started to take the time to look, I couldn't stop seeing. Soon enough, it was hard to just choose one moment. Day 20. Learning the difference between a seeing footmark a and an apostrophe. Grieve and celebrate the loss to have once Day 24. Being inspired not to wanting read about to watch the architecture. Day 25. Feeling good about waking up at a reasonable hour and then immediately rewarding myself with a nap. I mentioned the composer John Cage earlier. He once said that music is the organization of sound. This idea stuck with me. How all these momentous things are basically created from these ordinary moments. The stories that I've been sharing with you, Heather and Arthur, the other three pairs, this entire podcast, are just the organization of everyday moments during a less-than-ideal year in quarantine. Day 29. The shame of pausing a live event I was watching so that I could watch Marvel trailers. This is what it sounds like to get to know someone. Months later, on that day when Arthur recorded these old text messages for me, I asked him which one is his favorite. I don't have a favorite. Which one you like better than the others? <laughs> that one's a good one. The person that lets you cut in front to merge in a car line. I'm never that person. You should practice being that person more. One month later, I do return to LA. Our 30th moment is neither epic nor profound. On the 31st day, we didn't text a perfect moment to each other, and it just ended this way. I was kind of sad. I mean, I wasn't expecting him to show up at my doorstep holding 30 cards. One card for each moment. And then confess that he loves me. He hasn't even seen love actually, so he would never do that. But I guess I was hoping for something in between that and this. December 12th. Getting better at napping. 
bought a tomato solely on the premise that it looked like a wax apple. Which is what actually happened. Doing this for 30 days, this compilation of 60 perfect moments, feels special. And for it to just end like this feels unsatisfying. With a 30th moment that is just as ordinary as day 12. The feeling that something is worth giving up sleep over. Or day 15. Seeing gobble gobble from a text added it to my words I like list. It wasn't until much later that I realized my 30 days with Arthur ended in the most perfect way. It is the last day in this series of 30 days, but it falls somewhere in the middle of a life-changing year. It could also be the start of another series of 30 days or even 60 days. This day is as meaningful as I give it meaning. And after this, we continue living. These 30 days with Arthur is the closest thing I experienced to what my participants went through. One message a day for 30 days. They remind me of this thing Graham from episode 4 said. This is how he explained what he wants to share with a partner. Sunrises and morning snuggles on cold days quietly moving and dancing around one another in our morning routines. It's all the little stuff. It builds up. A series of small moments can eventually result in something that is as complex, emotional, and profound as the connection between two people. If you want the penne, if you want the sorely ones. I want the sorely ones. Is there a enough? Yeah, I think so. That happened on a Thursday evening in May 2021. It's me and Arthur at home making dinner together. Months after our 30 days of perfect moments ended. It doesn't involve unexpected rain, no white horse and sunsets, no dramatic missed connections. Can this be romantic? Not waiting for that one happily ever after. Living in an ordinary ever after. You're right, this is fun. That is another perfect moment. All three pairs you heard in the previous episodes did meet in person after the experiment. So, what do you think happened? I'll start with Brian and Isabel from episode two. He's the guy from Montana. I still consider that my home. I plan to move back there one day. And she's the girl that loves her dog more than anything in the world. And I could just talk about him forever. I'm a little obsessed with him. This is how they ended the experiment on the surprise phone call I set up the last day. 
What do we do now? That's, I guess, the real question. I don't know. I wasn't expecting this, so I, like, didn't <laughs> think about it. Yeah, me neither. To be honest, I would want to date you. I 100% would date you if we lived <laughs> in the same place. I reached out to Brian and Isabel a few months after the experiment ended to see if they wanted to chat with me. But they declined. They did share a little bit with me, though. What I know is that they went on a real date, in person, and then decided to remain friends. What about the other two pairs? I do have a bit more there. When do you want to face chat today? Um, right now. Uh, right now. This is Zena and Graham from episode four. Sure. Give me a second. I'm literally cleaning my apartment. I have on cleaning gloves. Ooh. Let me just like, it's very sexy. <laughs> This is the pair who are tired of dating and are just so ready to be in a relationship. I am so fucking hopeful when it comes to love. I want depth. One person that is my best friend. After the experiment, Graham drove to L.A. from Denver to meet Zena. When we had our first week here in L.A., it was really good. <laughs> oh my God, it was really good. <laughs> they visited each other throughout the summer to spend time and get to know each other more. I mean, I met someone who like is amazing and I haven't had someone in my life in a long time. He's super loving. Our chemistry is so great in all these different ways, a domestic way, in a sexual way. After he left, I feel like emotionally tired from just the intensity Things accelerated pretty quickly. He's like, I want you here as soon as possible. And just so excited about being in a relationship. But after three months, they stopped dating. Understanding one person is already complex. Add in another person, and this interaction is even more volatile and difficult to predict. Ultimately, for Zena and Graham, some trust issues emerged which may even be rooted in other things. That is another story. Not one for me to tell, though. What happened to the last pair is a bit different. I'm so excited to meet you, Are Oh my goodness. I'm done with questions. I am craving cuddles quite a lot. <laughs> this is Katie and Robert from Episode 3 chatting for the first time on their surprise phone call on the last day of the experiment. Like, quite significantly. So hopefully our, how, what do I say, our connection evolves in such a way that that's a thing that happens. <laughs> this is the pair that both live in San Francisco and both coincidentally answered Obama as their dream dinner guest on their profiles. I talked to them a few months after the experiment to find out what happened. We met up in a park in San Francisco. Took off work early, walked over to meet her. They met the day after the experiment ended. And in the first five seconds, it was like, oh, wait, are you that person? It turns out uh, we had already met each other once. 
in real life. It was very, very, very bizarre. Which is wild. We've only met one time back in October. And I was there with my ex. He was there with his ex. And like, I know her. There was 10 people there that night. He and I never spoke one-on-one. So there was no chance of me recognizing his voice. So were they attracted to each other? There was relief that I didn't feel attracted to him because it took so much pressure off of me. There's, I guess, a not-my-typeness kind of thing. It's hard for me to pinpoint the precise thing. They continued to spend time with each other over the summer. We ended up hanging out a bunch more, like two or three times a week. Maybe the second or maybe the third. It kind of crystallized, oh, I don't see myself spending the rest of my life with this person. But I really enjoy hanging out with her. I'd be very excited if he and I spoke minimally. And after a month, he had done some really solid processing around whatever it is he needs to process. Um, Still figure out what kind of connection we want to have. So after meeting in real life, they don't develop an immediate spark. But then they spend more time together over a few months, and they actually do date. And then it evolves into a serious relationship. R um, and I recently moved to Hawaii. That's a voice memo from Katie. She sends me this message nearly one year after the experiment ended. This experiment ended at the beginning of June 2020. A lot has happened since then, and things will continue to unfold. When should this story end? Um, we also broke up a couple weeks ago. But he really remains just, and always will be, I think, one of the most important, significant, beautiful, deepest connections I've ever had. Um with anyone, not just romantically. Whew, yeah, I'm super teary. I'm still very much in like the depth of heartbreak right now, but this has just been like such a beautiful experience of my life. And I'm so grateful that I got to meet him at all and that I got to meet him through this medium. And it just, yeah, like learning to love him in this way it was like such a profound experience for me. And so, yeah, really grateful. It was shocking to me to hear that I had such a profound impact on her life. I mean, we're strangers. She didn't even know my real name. Wait, I'm sorry. I don't know your name, I don't think. <laughs> oh, yes. My real name is Heather. Okay. We've never met, yet I was able to impact her life so significantly. Similarly, Katie and my participants changed my life as well. This story starts with you meeting my alter ego, Eve's D. Roper. Along the way, you and I both got to know a little bit more about me, Heather. I didn't set out to write a story about myself. It was supposed to be about other people, participants of my matchmaking experiment. But in listening to other people connect, I found my story about human connection. And ultimately, this is the story I decided to tell. 
as eaves, I saw Heather more clearly than I ever had. In case you're wondering, what happened with Arthur? <laughs> He's here. I'm in his house, and we're cooking together. I learned that he doesn't like pineapples on pizza, and that he recently saved me as a favorite contact on his phone. I'm getting better at communicating, asking for what I need in partnership without feeling shameful or overbearing. I practice making more eye contact, understanding how to hold space for someone else with more patience and less judgment. Noticing when vulnerability happens and showing up for the connection to be vulnerable back. It's May 2021. I've officially moved to LA and I'm dating Arthur. He is not the love of my life, but he has potential to be someone I love in my life. According to that one Sex in the City episode, How many great loves do you think you get in a lifetime? In that episode, Carrie learns that we get two great loves in life. I loved my ex-boyfriend. And maybe Arthur is the second. But maybe next year we'll fall out of love. And then maybe in three years, I'll get another experience to be in love. Or maybe not. I can have as many great love stories and perfect moments as my experiences allow. Finding this perspective for living is like gaining a superpower. Choosing to live every day with a feeling of possibility. Fully experiencing all these moments that can be ordinary and extraordinary. Moments of contemplation. I kind of got a little nervous. I might have shared a little too much yesterday. But your response made me like, trust you and that I didn't have to be nervous. Tears. Life was much simpler back this then. This has just been like such a beautiful experience of my life. I'm so grateful that I got to meet him. Such Loving, simple life. Now it is time. Moments of laughter. <laughs> when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's more. Eve's created the matchmaking experiment, but Heather created this podcast. It took me six episodes and four hours to tell you this story. But the moments of living take place somewhere in between the beginning and this ending. Good morning. Hey, I. Hi, B. Hey. Hello, X. Hey, G. It's X. Good morning, X. Hi. Hey there. Hi, K. Looking forward to hearing from you one last time tomorrow. And then they lived ever after. One moment after another. 
This is living, the type that is real, messy, and possible. I'm ready. So what now? Have you seen the Jimmy Fallon? I'll have more stories to tell, hopefully in another season of It's Nice to Hear You. Right now, it's time for me to have dinner with Arthur. Thank you for listening. That is all for now. I think that's all I got. All right, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all. That's all for now. And have a great final day of this correspondence. So yeah, that's it for now. Okay, that's it. No more for you. I'm cutting you off. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings a tune without the words and never stops at all. This has been season one of It's Nice to Hear You, a podcast about human connection. Written and produced by me, Heather Lee. I would love to connect with you too, and maybe finally get to hear your voice. So send me a voice memo of a perfect moment in your day to heather at it's nice to hear you.com. I'm also doing another experiment. If you're single or know someone who is looking to match with someone romantically in a new way, sign up for my email updates at it's nice to hear you.com. This song that you're listening to right now is an original composition for this podcast, created and performed by Morgan Foose. I've heard it in the chillest We were blasting Erica Badu, and, and my dog had her head and her tongue out of the window. Her ears flopping. That's Morgan sharing a perfect moment she had recently. It was just such a beautiful moment, right? Right? These lyrics are from the poem Hope is the Thing with Feathers by Emily Dickinson. Sitting in a car with my sister. The voices that you're hearing now are some of the amazing people behind the scenes who made this podcast possible. Just laugh harder because you don't know why you're laughing and you can't stop laughing. The moment after I've done my breathwork practice in the morning. These are some of their perfect moments. Absolute stillness. Absolute fullness. It's almost like a moment out of time. Just full presence, and presence is timeless. I would not have been able to create this podcast without my wonderful editors. Story consulting and editing by Katya Stepanov and Jesse Carey, co-founders of Rebus Experiences. I decided to take myself outside and I found a sliver of sunlight. Then I looked up and I just saw these massive trees all around me swaying, all this pollen and spring. For that moment, I remembered the perfection of nature and how it's always around me and that I'm not really alone. Editing by me, Camila Kerwin, with the Rough Cut Collective. Shutting off my computer walking over to the East River with my partner 
getting a couple beers and watching the sunset with all the other people who had decided to do pretty much the same thing. And it was perfect. Story editing by Max Miller. Seeing a favorite movie with new eyes. Sound design by myself and Morgan Foose, who also mixed and mastered this entire series. Brand identity by Jen Ang. On all the things that were going on in our heads. Website design by Lizzie Jolson. The sun literally illuminates the buildings in this really enchanting way. And special thanks to all the scientists, coaches, experts, and friends who helped me along the way. My wife and I decided to take a bath. We do have a formal light coming through beautifully. She's 30 minutes. I get to forget about everything that's bothering me. This is the perfect moment. Behavioral Signals is the sponsor for this podcast. They have created the fastest evolving and most robust emotional AI technology, enabling businesses to add emotion and behavioral recognition to their own software solutions. For more information, check out behavioralsignals.com. Okay, that's good. 30, fuck! Motherfucker. I was too busy (laughs) patting myself on the back to keep it to 33 minutes. Oh my gosh. Uh, O-R, O-R. Okay.